Welcome to episode 40 of the Accessibility Craft Podcast, where we explore the art of creating accessible websites while trying out interesting craft beverages. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Equalize Digital, a WordPress accessibility company and the proud creators of the Accessibility Checker plugin. In this episode, Amber and Steve interview Alex Stein on a variety of topics from his professional background and how he got into WordPress to advice he has for web professionals. Alex is an IT systems engineer and accessibility expert who is well known for his contributions to the WordPress community. For show notes and a full transcript, go to accessibilitycraft.com slash 040. And now, on to the show. Hey everybody, it's Amber, and today I am here with Steve. Hello everyone. And we have a special guest joining us, our friend Alex Stein. Hey Alex. Hello. Do you want to introduce yourself for anyone who has not had the wonderful pleasure of meeting you in person? So I am a blind screen screen reader user. I kind of do some accessibility consulting work on the side. My day job is working in cloud engineering and DevOps. And I try to get back to the WordPress accessibility anyway i can and are you're a core contributor to wordpress and to gutenberg also yes mm. well we're excited to have you here today and today we're going to uh we're we've been on sort of a soda kick lately we're gonna have a grape soda like old school are you are you guys uh fruity soda drinkers no, not so much as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex, uh, I don't know if you've listened to other episodes, but we have frequently discussed Steve's love for Coke. <laughs> Diet, Diet Coke. Let's get it Diet right. Yes, that is, that is something I really do not understand, but there it is. <laughs> I also think Coke is disgusting. Like regular yes. Coke or Diet All Coke? of it. The flavor All of, of Coke. Really? Huh. So, uh, so what about you, Alex? What's your preferred soda? Now, I admit, I will drink a cherry vanilla Coke. Mm, there it you is go. very, very good. Yeah, mm -hmm. especially if it's like, uh, you know, it's mixed with like grenadine, like at a restaurant or something. You know, is that what a Shirley Temple is? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we need Chris here to help us. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we're having... Stewart's original fountain classics. So it's supposed to be made the way um, an, an old school soda would have been made at a soda fountain. Uh, it's grape soda. It's made with real cane sugar and it says it has Concord grape taste. Mm. So it's going to taste like traditional grape and it is in a bottle with a twist off top. So shall we open our bottles and uh, see yeah. how it tastes or smells? Yeah, there you we go. We can certainly try. See if we can get it open. Oh, let's see. It's got a twist off, but it's pretty tight. Looks like Amber was able to. I got mine. To I got get it off. Yeah. It says this has been made since 1924. I'm going to smell it. It's okay. It's, it's great. Wait. I, I really want to know. Alex, what do you think it smells like? Well, I am having no such luck getting this top off. So. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I am also suffering from like. A left hand injury because oh. Every, oh no i end up being extremely sore after my thursday self-defense classes so this is all really bad timing yeah so you <laughs> gotta twisting you, a lid on. you gotta twist it counterclockwise right really yeah yeah to the twist it like to the right 
but it has a it has a an it's, you know it says grape soda and then it's got an image or a drawing of like a a grape popsicle you know the 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 two popsicles that are hooked together when you're a kid and I don't know they might still make these and then you break them apart but you end up always breaking them in half the wrong way <laughs> <laughs> twin pops is I that what they're they called make those twin pops they're oh. like for sharing oh yeah or just so you can have one in each fist I don't know <laughs> That's I, right. I asked what what you thought it smelled like because I think it smells like cough syrup <laughs> it smells like like grape cough syrup is it like that you give the kids <laughs> yeah like what I give to my children that's what I think it smells it, like I haven't tasted it yet because I'm waiting to see if Alex can get it open yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely cannot get this open oh, this no. is proving to be an accessibility issue <laughs> oh no it really is uh do you do you want to uh grab a bottle opener and I try will, with that I will step away and grab my bottle opener right. I will be right back Okay, I was I was holding off to uh, try it out until Alex got his top off. But uh... okay, so I've returned. Okay. Yay! Did you find a bottle opener? I did. All uh, right. Unfortunately, I caused another accessibility issue. Oh, oh no. no! What was it? I don't know where the cap landed. <laughs> oh no! Okay, I hope you have shoes on you're, because you're, if you yeah. step on that with your bare foot, that would not feel good. <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, yeah, I do, and uh, I'll have to locate that before tonight. <laughs> oh no! Sorry, well, Alex. <laughs> I'm glad you got it open, Alex. <laughs> and I would agree; it does surprisingly remind me of the smell of cough syrup. Yeah. All right, yeah. so shall we all take a sip and see if it tastes like cough syrup? <laughs> let's do it. We should. All right, let's do it. Wow, it's sweet. Yeah, it's really. Oh sweet. my gosh, <laughs> that's that's really sweet. <laughs> that's sweet it, for me. Yeah, it's it is a very sweet soda. It's really uh, good. <laughs> this whole bottle has forty five grams of sugar, so this is definitely not a diet beverage. No, no, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> but. But it's pleasant. It does not taste like cough syrup. <laughs> no, I mean this. This is just. I admit though, this is kind of shocking. Like it. It just kind of like the sweetness hits you in the face. It sure does. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I feel like it's more sweet, and it doesn't have as much grape flavor as I would like. Like I end up just leaving. Uh, there's a little bit of grape that it leaves in your mouth. It's but it's it's, it's not like a natural grape flavor it's it's like the candy grape flavor okay wait so here's an interesting fun fact i used to hate grape and like all grape things and like grape jelly and all that because i was just like it's so fake tasting yeah. like it's not real and when we lived on nantucket there was this area where you could go pick wild concord grapes and i went and we we would take our wagon and take Nora. We only had one child then. She was like, she was a toddler. She would ride in the wagon. And we would just pick and like fill the wagon with grapes and come home. And I canned a whole bunch then. And I had those grapes for the first time. And they taste like this. Mm. And I realized like the grapes that we get at the grocery store, they're just not Concord grapes. Like it is actually a real flavor. It's not oh. like fake. Like grapes at a grocery store taste like nothing in comparison to a actual Concord grape. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. I, I actually don't dig on purple grapes. I like green ones. 
do they taste well, i mean the ones at the store don't the color doesn't impact the flavor right do they yeah, taste different does. to the you green, the green really? one, yeah right Right. <laughs> now i'm questioning my whole life <laughs> alex do you buy grapes at the grocery store i do not no not a grape fan no i don't buy much of anything at the grocery store <laughs> <laughs> okay well do you do you order them and get pickup curbside pickup of grapes no i don't do that either you're you like to eat out at restaurants i think right i like to eat out at restaurants probably an unhealthy amount but it's what it is yeah yeah, yeah. It's easier until you have a bunch of kids, and then all of a sudden your your restaurant bill is really high. Yeah, yeah especially <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. So, moral of the story: don't have kids. Well, <laughs> you're talking to you know we've got seven between us. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We like the kids. Yeah, but, yeah. Understand. But there are definitely downsides. I will say, like, I have friends who you know fly around lots of fun places all the time, and I'm like, hmm. Be easier to do that if I didn't have four, but I yeah. like my four, so yeah. Trade-offs. So this this soda, I kind of wonder if it would make a good mixer. <laughs> mm. It's a little too sweet on its own, but I'm like, if you added it with, I don't know, a shot of vodka or something, like it might <laughs> something that cuts the sweet. Yeah, it, yeah. it might be good. I don't know. Yeah, not good. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Not good for your low carb carb diet. 45 no. carbs yeah would you get it again um i mean chris sent me a whole pack of it so i'm i'm gonna the kids are probably like it <laughs> <laughs> what What about you alex would you uh are you gonna drink it or are you gonna be like nah, never mind <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah all right so it's, it's a winner then it's missing a key ingredient that i i uh like to have in my drinks which is caffeine oh <laughs> Well, maybe you need to mix it with some caffeinated beverage. I don't That's know. Right. <laughs> is is grape flavored coffee a thing? I'll, uh, I'll have a. Uh, I was, I'll I was have, thinking that. <laughs> mix it with Diet Coke. Grape. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be nasty. Oh. <laughs> oh no. Well, but okay. Now this is a great question. Before we transition back to accessibility, why is cherry Coke good, but grape Coke would not be? You know, uh, ch cherry vanilla Coke specifically. Yeah. Well, what if you put vanilla in too, and then you had grape vanilla Coke? Uh, uh that sounds uh, nasty. That's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> horrible. <laughs> I don't. I mean, like that, that's a real question. I think Coke is gross no matter what. So, yeah. but it, like, like, what is it about cherry that's different from a grape flavor that makes it? Yeah, I don't know. It's that's weird, right? Like, yeah. It just doesn't mix well with other things like a cherry like a cherry flavor does. But Yeah. You know actually what would probably be really good with this soda is vanilla ice cream and making like a grape float. Yeah, I was thinking that too. A float would be good. I bet this this soda would taste good that way. Yeah. 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 It is very sweet. But so if you if you like sweet things and you like fruity soda, this might be worth trying. So Alex, um, you gave us your little intro and and told us more about yourself. But and I'm curious, can you give us some backstory on how you got involved with WordPress? So I built my first website at 14 and really, really enjoyed it. 
and I went on by 15 to start working in tech support at WPMU Dev. So what you're saying is you're smarter than all the rest of us. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Depends how you define smart. If you compared my standardized testing scores to yours, you would find out I'm actually pretty stupid. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) At least by the numbers. Yeah. But you're very good at tech. Very good at tech, apparently. So so you started working at WPMU Dev doing tech support when you were 15? Yes. It was uh, my birthday's on May 15th, and I started there on May 28th. Wow. That's cool. And how how did you transition from doing that to contributing to WordPress core and being on the accessibility team at, for WordPress? Well, I soon found that I had an interest for development, so I started trying to learn code and fix front-end accessibility issues on our company's website. I tried to learn some code while I was still doing tech support to help customers, but it was really after I lost my vision when I realized the importance of accessibility I started losing my vision over the course of six months when I was 16. Mm-hmm. And that that was really the wake-up call to learn accessibility quickly. Mm. Yeah. I mean, because really accessibility um, challenges or different abilities can happen to any of us at any time. Yeah. It's not necessarily just something that people are born with. So Yeah. So you you had started in the in the field in in the WordPress world before fully losing your vision. Before that, was your vision yes? Was it a hundred percent or? So I was definitely visually impaired, just under the limit of legally being able to drive. Oh, okay, okay. So a lot of people probably would have never noticed. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So were so- you? Were you oh, using ahead, were were you using like assistive technologies before you were sixteen? I would use a program called Zoom Text to try to get larger uh, magnification of the screen, but I didn't use it to the level that some people used it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said that you um, were learning. Like you taught yourself code. What resources were helpful to you when you were learning code and learning about how to code accessibly? Uh, W3Schools and PHP.net. No. Okay. Uh, All the videos and code camps and uh, tutorials out there were mainly inaccessible. So Mm -hmm. I had to figure it out. (laughs) Do you, are the videos on WordPress.tv? Okay, or the problem is, is that people don't adequately describe what's in their presentation. People don't adequately describe or even make accessible slides. So there's that. Right. Yeah. Do you, so, so you, you stay away from video for the most part, right? I think I've heard you say that before, right? Yes, it's completely useless. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've been trying, at least with WordPress Accessibility Meetup, we try really hard to 
tell all of our speakers that they need to vocalize. And we've had some developers. I know, Steve, when you presented, you did this. Uh, Nick Croft, also, he gave a talk on um, CSS color modes, and he did a really great job of reading his code and, like, literally saying, like, yeah. left brace, I don't, you know, like, yeah. saying all the punctuation and everything, which I think would be important if you were using with sound and you wanted to learn how to code. Yeah. Uh, yes, but you also need to make it available on GitHub because hearing it and seeing it, or well, seeing it, is kind of a funny term in this discussion, yeah, yeah. but it's <laughs> it's not the same thing. This episode of Accessibility Craft is sponsored by Equalize Digital Accessibility Checker, the WordPress plugin that helps you find accessibility problems before you hit publish. A WordPress native tool, Accessibility Checker provides reports directly on the post edit screen. Reports are comprehensive enough for an accessibility professional or developer, but easy enough for a content creator to understand. Accessibility Checker is an ideal tool to audit existing WordPress websites, find accessibility problems during new builds, or monitor accessibility and remind content creators of accessibility best practices on an ongoing basis. Scans run on your server, so there are no per-page fees or external API connections. GDPR and privacy compliant, real-time accessibility scanning. Scan unlimited posts and pages with Accessibility Checker free. Upgrade to a paid version of Accessibility Checker to scan custom post types and password-protected sites. View site-wide open issue reports and more. Download Accessibility Checker free today at equalizedigital.com forward slash accessibility dash checker. Use coupon code accessibilitycraft to save 10% on any paid plan. Yeah, so you, when you're saying that in that term, seeing it, you mean like using a screen reader to have it read it out to you at the speed that you would want it to read. Exactly. You know, with the formatting that it needs to have and everything. Yes. Yeah, I think I think at WordCamp US when I give my speech, uh, you know, I'm trying to be very mindful of that, right? Like that I'm that I'm reading everything out. And uh, but there was even a there was a there was a spot where I kind of slipped up, like I missed something, and it was the, you know, I did provide all my code in a in a gist on on GitHub, but I had failed to read out the URL, and I was lucky enough to have Amber sitting in the front row kind of whispering to me, read out the link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there were, there's people in the audience who even, you know, even sighted people sometimes if they're far back or if they're, you know, right. they might not be able to read it on the slide. Or if you think about somebody might just want to listen. I sometimes listen to videos, like I put them on a different tab than I'm working on and I just listen to the audio. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I'm catching replays, even if they don't, I mean, I prefer if they have podcasts. Alex, you motivated us to to start releasing WordPress accessibility meetups recordings as podcast audio. Um, yeah, you pointed out that it's nicer for people. It's a more equal experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So in your in you you said you work in DevOps, right? Cloud infrastructure is that correct? Can you tell us a little bit more about your day to day job? So I get to do all kinds of fun things in my day-to-day -day job. I get to build out new infrastructure. I get to 
figure out how to containerize applications that weren't meant to be containerized. Mm. I get to do uh, infrastructure upgrades, patching, modifications. I get to support the very teams that keep our customers happy. So that keeps me happy. And it's it's just a lot of fun. We get to use a lot of cool tools and figure out how to push the limits of technology. Yeah. I'm glad you asked that question, Steve, because I'm assuming you understand all the things he said. <laughs> <laughs> to some degree, I, w- I will say this, that at, uh, at Contributor Day this year at WordCamp US, me and Alex, uh, or Alex and I sat, sat next to each other. And uh, I think that was the first time where I had actually seen Alex code and uh, I, I'm not kidding you it blew my mind I mean he's 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 testing patches like and he's doing it at lightning speed and and it, it was just incredible to to witness and to see and and uh, to see how how well Alex has adapted you know to to being somebody that is blind and being able to code probably better than most of us sighted developers, right? It it was pretty amazing, Alex. The the real amazing part was the fact that I did it on Windows as well. <laughs> That's a joke <laughs> that every developer will understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was interesting. But uh I couldn't really tell you were on Windows because your screen's not on. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. <laughs> well, I mean you knew it wasn't a Mac, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, u- I used to get harassed so much. For for not uh, using a Mac, and I switched, and my daily computer is a Mac. But I also have a Windows that sits – I have a PC because I like to also test in NVDA and not yeah. just in VoiceOver, which I don't know, Alex. I, you and I have had some conversations, but that might be a useful thread to sort of go down. Um, for devs who are listening to this and they're getting into testing – what do you recommend like as far as what screen readers should definitely be tested in and like other resources for learning how to test in different environments and things? Uh, you should definitely test NVDA on Windows. It would be great if developers had access to test with JAWS, but Freedom Scientific historically has been pretty uninterested in working with developers that way. So yeah, you know, and JAWS isn't open source and it costs money, right? It costs a lot of money. And I wouldn't ask anybody to make that type of investment because I don't expect blind people to have to make that investment. Right. Mm-hmm. Is there a benefit to JAWS over NVDA? JAWS is a much more, uh, it makes a lot of inferences for you. So, for beginners, it can take a lot of guesswork out of using certain programs. I find it highly annoying because I know what I want to do. Stay out of my way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so what do you that's... mean when you say inferences? Like, can you give an, a, an example? Like, it tries to interpret the code and and will say different things? Yeah, that's exactly what it does. So, it uh, to date, they're... In NVDA, you can switch between, you know, its virtual mode and its forms mode. JAWS tries to do this more predictively, automatically, and it's very annoying, especially when it gets it wrong. Mm. And if you look at Gutenberg, for example, where, you know, we're kind of on the bleeding edge of accessibility standards, JAWS just doesn't work well. Mm. 
Yeah. I think where, how do you feel this? I, I had lists that maybe I was going to ask you for a, a, a hot take. <laughs> and you, you kind of started talking about like how, you know, Gutenberg doesn't work well in JAWS. And since you're on the, the WordPress core accessibility team, could you share some general thoughts about your impression of accessibility in WordPress now and where it's going in the future? Oh, uh, yeah. If we keep going this direction, there will be no more point for me to contribute. Oh. Because sighted people in this project are just... They, they don't want to compromise. Right. I mean, like we have arguments over a visible save and cancel button because well, it doesn't match our UX. Mm-hmm. And I just, I get so sick and tired of it. I mean, it's, I hate to call it ableism, but it is at a certain level when people just aren't open to other ideas. Right. Yeah, we've had some discussion around this, you know, on our team as well. And I think uh, on on a podcast that we previously recorded that, you know, about, uh, you know, some of the reservations about accessibility slowing down the, the development cycle. And, and to some degree, I acknowledge that, like that there may be an upfront, like reduction in productivity, but I could see that that paying off, you know, paying, paying to learn how to do those things the right way, early on and then it paying off moving forward it, it it feels like you know in the you know i'm not super uh deep into like the uh you know the core gutenberg development um but uh it seems like we're pushing forward and there like you said certain uis were are designed to be a certain way and there's no changing it right and it's like it almost feels like it almost feels like accessibility, they view accessibility as something that is impeding on their progress. And I don't know long-term if that's true because what they're doing is they're just constantly creating technical debt that's going to have to be addressed at some point in time. The other problem as well is everyone wants to keep trying to compare the blockhead of their experience to tiny MCE, and it's not the same thing at all. And yeah. any developer who says that doesn't understand the code. Mm. It, yeah. I mean, there are two totally different things. Like Tiny MCE actually has an attribute called content editable set on the entire iframe. So the whole editor is one giant text field essentially to screen reader users. Where Gutenberg blocks. Every block it, is its own component. Like, yes. you can tell the difference between different blocks, right? Well, sighted users can. Those lines get very, very blurry when you can't see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I just noticed, I mean, one of the challenges, I think, with blocks, with we've done some testing, um, actually, on our the NASA contract. Uh, it's not just front-end testing. We also did testing and screen reader user um tests with the custom blocks that they built for Gutenberg for NASA and like one of the challenges that we saw were well there's some block controls in the toolbar above the block and there's other block controls in the sidebar that's visually on the right but probably is after the content in a screen reader mm-hmm. and just challenges yes. of knowing where to um 
like where to go to edit certain things. And then sometimes there were some blocks that were made that don't have any settings or options at all, which makes sense because they're trying to like, it's it's coming from a global element or something. And they're trying to limit what users have to do, but a user could still choose to put the block in. But those blocks become especially challenging on a screen reader to remove because there's no visible toolbar mm -hmm. in the same way uh, or to even know what to do. It's like, I put this block in, am I supposed to do something? And it wasn't like telling the user. So I, I do think there's probably a lot more challenges with editing in WordPress in blocks just in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. To be honest, there's a visual challenge to it too. This is, I mean, like, like using a mouse and building stuff in the Gutenberg editor can be quite challenging to find out where you're at. I mean, once we got the tree, what do they call it? I don't know the official name on the side. The, you know, the block. The list view. The list view. When that came out, that was helpful, right? Um, to find out where you were, what block was nested inside of what block, but. Uh, you know, early on, I mean, like it was sometimes it was almost impossible to to click your mouse in the right spot to activate inside, you know, an inner block or something. So it definitely if it has challenges visually, I couldn't imagine, you know, for a keyboard user. And the, the other problem is, is accessibility can never be a default in this project. Like I've created several proof of concept PRs, pull requests that could very, very, very positively change the way that Gutenberg works for keyboard users. And the first thing I get is please hide this behind a setting because we as sighted users don't want it by default. Really? What, did, and that type of attitude has got to change in this project. Was that, was it that direct? Was the response that direct? The response was very much that direct. Wow. Like hide it behind a setting or forget about it. So I have a question because your day job, as you know, you said, is not in WordPress. Do you notice difference in attitude with how accessibility is addressed in the WordPress project versus how you see accessibility happening in your company or other companies outside of WordPress? Uh, yeah, uh, people outside of WordPress generally care a lot more. Hmm. I mean, just throwing that out there. Now, mm -hmm. the open source world is a lot of the same because... You mean like Drupal, Joomla, you think it's about the same as how it is in WordPress? I can't speak to those, but I've seen some other open source projects where accessibility is definitely priority zero and always will be. Mm -hmm. hmm. Do you think that's because open source projects are largely built by volunteers, many of whom might be self-taught and just don't have the education, whereas and they're not being paid. So there's no motivation. Whereas like a company is like, we have to comply with laws. We have to, like, we want to make money from all of our customers, not just some of them. Like, it, do you think that's why there's a difference or why do you think there's such a difference? Uh, I think there's probably such a difference because of the educational challenges um, I don't think the argument is going to be valid for much longer that it's because contributors don't get paid because mm. we're starting to see the open source world drastically change and said mm -hmm. contributors are starting to get paid. 
Yeah. Through sponsors. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of paid contributors on WordPress project that companies just sponsor, but their like full time job is contributing to WordPress. I mean, we can sit here and just go on and on and on, but at the end of the day, it seems like the open source world always has a reason why we can't. And I'm the person who finds solutions on how we get there. Right. Well, thank you. We love that. It's important. I, what do you feel like the rest of us can do to try and advocate for it or support it within the WordPress project or other open source projects? I mean, I don't want to downplay that people in the WordPress project aren't making accessibility fixes. It's definitely happening, mm -hmm. but it's not happening at the rate that we're at the same time introducing new regressions. Yeah. yeah. So the, the simple truth is, is we need more coders who understand accessibility at some level, or yeah. at least know how to read documentation because all the information's out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I can speak to that a little bit. You know, I went to my first contributor day this year. And, you know, like I said, I was sitting there next to Alex. And, um, you know, I was just kind of learning the, the ins and outs of, you know, how to roll up core and, and Gutenberg and all that on my local machine. Just getting enough information to take home with me to see what I could do. And I, I didn't know if if I would actually be able to have, you know, more, more have time to work on Gutenberg core, but, uh, you know, I started joining the, uh, the bug scrubs on Friday on, on Slack and just kind of lurking a little bit. <laughs> and then I, I saw like an issue come up. I'm like, Oh, this is easy. I could do this. Right. So I, on the weekend, I, you know, I don't, it probably took me four or five hours longer. You know, it always takes a lot longer than we think, but you know, I created a, a patch to, uh, pause animated gifs. Uh, in the plugin directory inside of WordPress and submitted it and made a few changes back and forth and it's it's going to come out in uh, the next version and uh, and so I would implore any developers out there it's not that hard you can get in there kind of lurk if you need to <laughs> like I did and and I don't know how much time I'll have to to do more moving forward but uh, it seemed like a pretty smooth. Uh, Tran, you know, transition in, you know, rolling it up, making the fix, getting the fix approved, and and uh, getting it rolled into the next next release. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is the idea behind Five for the Future, right? Which, for people who aren't familiar, that's an initiative in WordPress to um, do five percent of your time or five percent of your company's time contributing. And so trying to think about like, what does that look like? Um, you know, we could discuss this internally and, you know, I've seen some people be like, oh, well, we, you know, do it on Fridays or for a couple hours. Or if it's not like on Fridays, it's like once a month, the whole team just does one day a month where yeah. they contribute to some something in WordPress. And so maybe... I think that's the idea, right? Is trying to figure out how can you fit it into your schedule so it doesn't always have to be on a Saturday or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. When do you do it, Alex? You do it like nights and weekends? Nights and weekends as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we had Joe Dolson on the podcast a few episodes ago and, and like that was a thing we talked to him because – 
he's he is partially paid now but for a very long time many 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 years he was contributing to the accessibility team just as a volunteer and i do think that there's some need you know to just recognize that this is a way you can make a positive change or impact on the world if you think about how many websites use wordpress yeah so and you know it's worth volunteering or contributing to because it's a really important accessibility is huge and and i think that's one thing that frustrates me alex when i hear you talking about you know how much of a difference you see in open source versus like in the for-profit world like if we think about the literal mission of wordpress which is to democratize publishing Mm -hmm. how can we possibly be democratizing publishing if there are people who don't have the ability to literally use the tool like Uh, we're failing in the mission of wordpress yeah that's kind of the point and if it keeps going this direction like uh well all right let's step back so i recently did an edit uh at a uh audit of the site editor and it was live you can go back and find it as part of the one of the gutenberg hallway hangout that is held every so often i think okay. it's on the tests make test site um it was to say the least a brutal experience mm. horrible i mean words can't describe how bad that experience was have you tried have you tried classic press and do you think there is any argument for like moving in that direction and and helping maintain the classic version of WordPress from an accessibility standpoint? If and when core committers and project leadership finally does away with uh core core editor legacy editor support. Mm-hmm. I will, if if nothing has changed in between now and then, I will officially quit contributing to WordPress in favor of Classic Press. Wow. Do you actually think they're going to get rid of that, like Classic Widgets and Classic Editor plugin? I know they said that, and then it had a date, and they there's still millions of websites that use it, so they removed the date. Did they add a new one? Uh. The problem is, is eventually it's going to start becoming a really unmaintained part of the code base. Mm. And it's probably going to get phased out just lack of features, functionalities, and introduced bugs. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Man, that's a popular plugin. It's got 5 million (laughs) installs. Um, Yeah, you know, like, I mean accessibility is a huge issue with the block editor and like uh you know i mean internally we've even we've even like waver, wavered a little bit back and forth like we've been doing you know block themes from pretty early on and they just haven't matured very well right with the block editor updates like updates are really breaking uh legacy sites and stuff and uh so we've even wavered a little bit like like well, we're making these block themes and they're they're not, you know, they're breaking with updates quite a bit. Should we go back to kind of like the the classic editor ACF fields the way we used to do it and stuff? Now, we're still pushing forward with block editor, but I mean that those thoughts run around in our mind just because it's you know, it's challenge the Gutenberg editor is very challenging on many fronts. And I, I understand 
what the project's trying to achieve and it, and it's pretty huge but uh i i think i think alex i think what what i envision long term is going to happen is that uh that there's going to be a legal responsibility for the wordpress project to make it accessible and i think that's what it's going to take is you know governments legislating the requirements yeah, if and when that happens, it will be a bad wake-up call. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of Gutenberg will have to be rewritten. Yeah, that, that's I, yeah, that's why that's why I was saying all the they're just creating so much potential technical debt right now. You know, like I I dove in there and looked at the the table block right. Like Amber had requested, you know, that maybe we make some updates to that so that it supports uh, row columns, right? Or row, row head headers. Row headers. And, uh, and you know, forces a header so that people can't... The default is there's no header on tables. The yeah. option is toggled off. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Would, yeah. would you ever... Uh, like, literally, I can't think of it. Like, it, you should never have a table without headers, right? Right. Because then what are you doing? Using it for layout? <laughs> Which is yeah. also incorrect. Yeah, yeah. It's not the 90s anymore, but... Uh, <laughs> But it like the and the challenge when I got in there, I started looking at this, and I'm and I'm like, okay, well, it doesn't look that complex, right? The the block itself until you open the deprecated file, and like all the deprecate, there's like like so much more deprecation written for that block than there is actual block, and that's where this becomes a huge problem, right? You know, when you talk about a toggle being toggled off by default or on by default, right? Like you can't just switch it because of all the deprecation, right? Like, and you can't just change the output of the table because of all the deprecation. You got millions of websites using this block. Yeah, so that's why accessibility first is a must for Gutenberg because we get ourselves trapped in these corners we can never get out of. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it almost makes me think that when accessibility becomes a major mandate within the WordPress project, either because of laws or, I mean, I could see that happening where, especially with what's the, the cliff in, for businesses in Europe in 2025 needing to be accessible, like that could dramatically shift demand for WordPress. I mean, I think, was it the W3C? or someone like they rebuilt their website and they decided like they were public about deciding not to use WordPress mm. because of accessibility problems. Um, I might be wrong about who that was, but I don't know if either of you remember if that was the W3C, but it was like a really big uh, web consortium. Um, and and I just like it, it sort of sounds like when we get to that point, they almost might have to say we're not going to maintain backwards compatibility, which would be a first for WordPress. Yeah. But because of how Gutenberg is, it's almost like they might have to come out with a brand new version and it will just be a breaking change. But other open source projects do that. And a, a lot of software does that. Mm -hmm. um, I know that's a thing in Drupal where they're just like, OK, we're going to stop supporting version whatever of Drupal and you need to do a migration to the new version and it's a major project. So. Yeah, WordPress has never had that culture, which is a lot of the problems with Gutenberg. Like, I posted a question the other day. I'm like, why do we have to keep back compatibility for this? And the answer was because people want it. And I'm like, that is not a good answer, but it's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I wonder if that's a valid answer or if that's just somebody's answer, right? Like, did they really poll the people to find out if that's really the answer? Or or are, are you know, are these people, or are the developers in Gutenberg making a lot of assumptions, right? Like, I mean, the hard thing with WordPress, and I think this is a major problem or challenge to overcome, is that WordPress has very a couple of very different audiences. Like the average blogger who's figured out, okay, I do want to self-host, but I don't want to pay a lot. And, and I want to, you know, they use WordPress, but they're not super technical, right? Um, and their needs are, are kind of basic. They probably really care about stuff not breaking. Yeah. Like, honestly, I'll say this. My blog, I haven't written on for years. And I rarely look at it. But if I were to go there and it would be all just broken because I have auto updates turned on because I don't want it to get hacked. Like, I might get kind of mad. Right? Like, I want it to just stay the same. Look exactly how it looked two years ago when I last spent time on it. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't want it to break. So, like, that audience probably really cares about that because they also don't have IT people or devs or whatever. But then you have very large organizations government websites like NASA, um, in large businesses, higher education institutions that use WordPress, but they have support. And those ones I actually think would probably be more open to having breaking change versions. Yeah. Because they, as long, assuming they can plan for it, they get noticed that this version is going to no longer be supported. And then they like build it into their process because they already like have processes for that. Mm-hmm. And and I think this is a challenge in WordPress is like, how do we make the enterprise and the, I just want to show parent my parents pictures of my kids happy. Like those needs are so different. <laughs> yeah. It's a challenge. Uh, we are uh, right on the edge of actually introducing accessibility issues on the front end though, because we have the interactivity API now and there's been some really really weird cross OS bugs come up and since we really have no front end testing framework for say in place I'm afraid we might start to see bugs pop up on the front end as well and that is a problem we haven't seen historically with just normal theme developers writing their PHP themes like they might introduce an error, but core wouldn't necessarily introduce an error. So I'm not familiar with the interactivity API, but I did pull it up on make make uh, WordPress core uh, where somebody uh, introduced a proposal for it. A, de- a better developer experience in building interactive blocks. And and so you think the output of this is going to uh, cause some accessibility issues on the front end as well? Oh, I've, I've seen PRs out there already. Like, they're catching it for now, but yeah. as we start to expand this interactivity API, it's only a matter of time. Hmm. Very interesting. We're, we're pasting a link to this in the in the show notes for everybody as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's... That's kind of a part of Gutenberg that I think, you know, for us as an accessibility company, while we've been able to continue with with Gutenberg is because 
we can control the blocks that are used or like you could even think about like the NASA project as well. Um, they basically built their own block library, right? So that they have full control over the blocks that are using, like, you know, they DNQ'd like most of the core blocks and, and even created like their own image block and, uh, which allows them to have full control over that. And if there's, you know, like if they want to introduce a, a breaking feature, they can because it's their block. Right. And, uh, but uh, we've been able to control like the the block libraries that we use, like and and our own custom blocks. So you know we control the output of it on the front end, and and but that's like what Amber said. That's more on the enterprise side, right? So there's still the there's still the the problem with that. You know the the power WordPress user that's just using core blocks, and they're not, and they. You know, like we we said, like there's trust. Like, is there is there trust that what WordPress is providing to them, uh, it's a a good user experience for all of their website users. You know, are they good? Which could also include their um, their authors, right? right? It's not just the people who visit the website on the front end, right? Right, and is a lot. Lots of companies who have employees with disabilities of a whole different kind that yeah. need to be able to edit the company website. Well, and we create we create lots of like uh, SaaS like portal WordPress websites, right? And sometimes we create like the portal admin on the front end, and sometimes we create it using the back end, depending on the specs of the project. So if if you're creating a WordPress website that then gives people access to the back end to create post or whatnot um then you have to consider the accessibility of the back end as well right absolutely yeah hey alex oh oh, yes go ahead no that's okay finish finish your thought but i was also going to highlight the upcoming wordpress admin redesign i mean there there is also i have not been following that so do they have do they have figma files for this that we should all be looking for? Uh, there is a post out there right now. Okay. I'm not sure when development is expected to start on that, if even next year. I, I don't know. Okay, so is it still in discussion phase? I think it's still in discussion. Or I don't know. I mean, Maybe we've reached... I think we've reached the point by now that it's definitely going to happen. Um... Mm. I'm looking, this is part of the phase three collaboration roadmap. Is that right? Am I looking at the right thing? I don't know. Maybe we can find a link and put it in show notes for people. Uh, yeah, I mean, the whole admin redesign, I, I, that's so hard for me. Like I had the first time I tried a full site editing theme and like building the menus, I was just like, why did we fix it? Or like, quote, fix it. It wasn't broken. <laughs> Yeah. Like I knew how to build admin menus. I've been using WordPress forever. And then it took, or not admin menus, like front end menus. Um, like it took me way longer than I thought it should have for me to even figure out how to do that. And I just, I don't understand. And I guess I know there's some, like we want it to look more modern, but I'm like, maybe, maybe if it's just light CSS, okay, fine. But if they're going to reposition, reorganize things, like that's a learning curve for every user. I I mean I 
I think it is probably better because Joe Dolson told me that he actually was the one who rebuilt the media editing tool to make it more accessible. But just like the way the cropping works now on images, I knew how it worked before. And so it's like taken me a bunch of time to like figure out how to do it again. I don't know. It was a part of us. We're all like super resistant to change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. WordPress's model these days is if it ain't broke, let's fix it until it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's frustrating, and I and and I think you know a lot of a lot of times you know something that we're always talking about in our organization is priority, right? Is how do we we have all the ideas, we have all the things that we're trying to juggle, and then the big thing is how do we prioritize those? And it seems like in the WordPress project it seems like priorities get a little backwards sometimes and uh you know like admin redesign or create a foundation for creating accessible gutenberg blocks right like you know like like really like i think the accessibility should probably be prioritized over just aesthetics right because that's, that's the other thing we're pointing out. Like us as core developers, we have no control over the content of a block that somebody passes in. The only thing we really have control over is uh, developers will commonly use the use block props hook. And this outputs of a string. It's an object that converts into HTML strings, attributes of attributes on the block. So, you know, you might add a class name, you might add uh, an ID, an ID. Yeah. Well, our hook also includes default attributes like role, aria label, tab index. So we can control that much, but whatever content you actually pass into that wrapper, we have no control over it. So it. I mean, it is 100% up to developers to create custom blocks, and there's nothing we can do to actually help that problem. Mm. Yeah. So I think this is a good, like, question to wrap up on that I think is sort of interesting. If if there were a few, like, top things that you wish um, developers would do or that you would love to see more of that would help enhance accessibility on the web, maybe it's within WordPress or maybe just in general, like, what do you think are those top things that would that would help that? You know, like when you're saying it's all on developers to pass, you know, create accessible blocks. Are there top things that you think more devs need to be doing that would make a huge difference? Uh, yeah. Uh, reading the MDN documentation, the Mozilla Developer uh, Network docs would be a great start because... They have lots of accessible examples. Mm -hmm. uh, developers need to quit going out of their way to make inaccessible nonsense. I've said it over and over again. Like It is a lot more work to add an on-click handler with tab index of zero and roll button to span versus just using a button. But until developers decide that using valid code is the right approach, this problem never gets better. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Use semantic HTML. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and everyone... I mean, test, right? Like we talked earlier about testing and test with NVDA and things like that. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, for I mean, sure. Like every, everyone thinks this is like rocket science. It, it really isn't. Just use semantic HTML, <laughs> do some testing, and it's all good. Yeah, yeah, put your mouse away. Yeah. See if you can still use the website or the block or whatever it is without a mouse. Can you do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, like uh, all the work that, that, the three of us do in accessibility and and all the advocacy that we do in the community and uh, we creating accessibility checker plugin that evaluates accessibility, right? It, it's all great, but what I'm finding is that until developers and business owners and project leads adopt an accessibility first mindset that all the tools that we create are just gonna create kind of create more noise you know to some degree it's like you got to then take that and 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 your effort to make something accessible and put them together and and achieve it it's like you have to have that mindset that it matters and like in, in our organization when we make websites uh, on the service side of our business it's no longer an option to push something through it's like well the client wants this and or you know or we're short on time it's it, we're going to make it accessible. That's the way it's done, period, right? And, you know, if it's not accessible, it's broken. And 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 does that create, uh, you know, more back and forth in our in our dev process? Yes, it does. And in, in our auditing process, our QA, it creates more back and forth. But but it's we, worth it. It's worth it. And we've chosen that that's the way it, it, it no longer is an option. It's just the right way to do it. Yeah. Well, this has been really fun getting to hang out with you, Alex, and uh, chat accessibility and how important it is. I always love to hear Steve give that speech. <laughs> he gives yeah. that speech to our new devs and, and everything, and, and it just <laughs> makes me happy. But <laughs> yeah, Thanks for having me. Yeah. Do you have any final words, or do you want to share with people where they can get in touch with you? You can connect with me anytime with Alex Stein, S-T-I-N-E, on LinkedIn. Always happy to have new connections. Well, thank you, and uh, enjoy your grape soda. All right. I certainly will. Thanks for listening to Accessibility Craft. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe in your podcast app to get notified when future episodes release. You can find Accessibility Craft on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And if building accessibility awareness is important to you, please consider rating Accessibility Craft five stars on Apple Podcasts. Accessibility Craft is produced by Equalize Digital and hosted by Amber Hines, Chris Hines, and Steve Jones. Steve Jones composed our theme music. Learn how we help make thousands of WordPress websites more accessible at equalizedigital.com.